0: Hi, welcome friends. It's Cindy Silva. and We're back with another podcast on the Metaphysical Wisdom platform. I'm here with Pat Benacasa from St. Paul, Minnesota. Welcome, Pat. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here, Cindy. I'm delighted to have you. We just had a little pre-recording conversation and uh, we have a lot in common. I spent 35 years in Minnesota, so I know the territory very well. And the territory we're going to cover today is the intersection between art and the unknown. Yeah. Another of my favorite topics and Pat's an artist and she works with material and just the, the non-material of her own incredible mind. So I'd love to have you to share a little bit with us about uh, how you were inspired to share this topic and maybe even talk about your own podcast. Well, thank you. I, um, I like talking
1: about the intersection between art and the unknown, but just to give you a little bit of context, I'm a working artist and, uh, I built a building in my backyard. It's my studio. Uh, so I commute 10 feet every day. And that means a lot. If you live in Minnesota, it means you only shovel 10 feet to your, to your job.
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) And I, I use anything and everything to make art. Uh, I I got my degrees in drawing, but then I became a painter. And then uh, one day I was glazing a painting with 10, 20 layers of glaze. And I had a friend over. and I said, one of these days, I'm going to build the damn thing out of glaze. And then lights went on because architects call glass glaze. Uh So immediately when my friend left, I, I boxed up all my painting stuff and called a glass company and they delivered two sheets of eight foot by three foot glass and i thought yeah oh boy yeah and i then when they delivered it i thought oh my god now what so i ended up uh working about 10 years with glass and steel and that means uh uh i built uh, a seven ton glass and steel skylight waterfall on the state capitol grounds it's uh it's not a fl- i don't do flat i don't like flat windows i got to think about flat why why are windows fl- okay i'm not going to go there i'm going to come back okay so <laughs> it's uh, it was uh, um 614 pieces of cut art glass tinted overlays of glass and steel uh i made a 3d chapel window 14 feet high eight feet wide and it actually punches out into real space it was for a uh, a chapel in a catholic school so it's a, gl- a 10-foot glass crucifix perched on limestone boulders and the window actually goes out in real space so i love i like doing things um in different ways and so then after that i just started working i saw sheet metal one day i thought oh my god that's a painting waiting to happen. So I did a whole series of industrial paintings of demolished work sites and I painted them and I built them with wood pieces so they come off the flat surface. And so give me sheet metal, give me glass, give me anything, I love making art out of it. So that's how my background is. So you you just have to know, I don't do anything in a linear progression. (laughs) I think it's because I'm ADD. <laughs> and when you're ADD, it's like shiny, 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 grab, grab the, dis- you know, the distraction. Um, so I, I do, I do use anything as fair game. And that's why I do a podcast. Because podcast is a new material. It's a different way for me to do portrait painting.
0: Mm.
1: When you have a guest on, you're just painting a portrait when they reveal themselves. It's mm-hmm. just that. When you when you do paint a portrait, the person has to sit still. What I like about podcasting, it's alive, it moves, it's fast.
0: Wow.
1: So, it's
0: in real so, time. so that
1: yeah, it's real time. And so um yeah, that's my background. Oh, and I I've taught all these years. I've taught at art colleges, I do a lot of lecturing and taught at art high schools, which I loved. Mm. I just loved being around those kids.
0: Yeah,
1: the you know, perfect, the kids, Perpich, yeah the ah, yeah, you're from Minnesota. yeah Purpich is a state arts high school for kids who want to study poetry, dance, literature, painting, media arts. Oh, I loved it and uh, there's something about those kids. They come in wearing their jammies or you know whatever, but they have this passion to do, to be, to create and I love them for it. Mm. I just love them. I respect them so much.
0: Yeah, so I, you probably see I yourself love the, in them. Yeah. Well,
1: all that raw talent that you see. Yeah. I mean, they're just like puppies and colts. I mean, they come in with all that energy, and you just watch them mature and grow into that magnificent talent that they have inside of them. Yeah. And that's really well. You want to talk about making art? Oh, it doesn't get better than that
0: right watching a human come into their own
1: yeah yeah
0: creating the right environment for that yeah a nurturing
1: environment a respectful environment yeah absolutely
0: yeah, yeah just continue to create an environment around the uh creativity yeah but let the environment uh, be molded by the creativity instead of trying to shape the creativity with the environment oh oh no no we're not
1: going to be shaping any creativity yeah. <laughs> you're so right cindy it has to come from the inside out yeah from what in an organic kind of way but if if the environment is respectful and nurturing and demanding and rigorous and challenging um that's like planting seeds in a garden and watching you know watching these beautiful things grow
0: yeah yes yeah, so there's a way that you prep for your podcast i'm curious to hear about that since he spoke about it as a portrait let's
1: okay so
0: all
1: right how do i say okay as an artist you know i came up that if you weren't in your studio you weren't doing anything everything was like gauged around how productive you are how many hours in the studio and um i left teaching about two years ago and i really miss it and Friends would say, Why don't you do a podcast? I said, What the hell do I know about podcasting? I mean, you got to be a podcaster, right? You know, (laughs) I didn't know. And um, I tried it out and I I thought, Oh, this is kind of fun. But what happened is when I started researching my guests, I, I research everything about their lives. If they wrote a book, I read it. I'm online. I spend a lot of time, but it doesn't make sense until I make a graphic image of their life. So every one of my guests, I've designed a poster about them and their life. And what happens, Cindy, is that I start putting all this stuff together and I put it into the, the, the poster that I'm designing. And then when I'm done, I know exactly what to do with this person. I, I know what to ask. And so I thought, huh, I need to make a poster. Well, of course you do. Of course you have to make a poster of your guest. Why wouldn't you? And so now I've done what twenty-six episodes, and if you go on my site, I've got twenty-six images of all these wonderful different people. But no. but but as an artist, that's how I make sense of the world. If I can put it in an image, I get it. Mm-hmm. That's how I relate uh to the world.
0: It- so you're a very visual person, obviously. You're a visual artist and something yeah. about that creative creativity for you. And I think one of the most mystical um questions we can ask ourselves is why are we attracted to what we're attracted to? I think it really gives us a, a clue as to what's getting created through us or what what creates through us. Because there's something that's that's a tr- like we're not choosing what we're attracted to, right? It's just, it's an organic process of just following what inspires us. And where does that inspiration come from? Oh, that's a huge question. I, I think
1: to me, that goes along with asking the question, how, how am I to be in the world? Mm. How, I think that is, you know, I, I was saying earlier about teaching high school, seriously, one of the beautiful reasons I like. About teaching high school that age is a crucible that age is a crossroad Mm -hmm. where a young person is is forging who they are going to be how they're going to be will they be fearless will they be frightened how will they go into the that's what they're forging and they try on identities like trying on a winter coat i mean you know because there's a freedom to do that so the question about inspiration i think is tied into with your lead in which is profound what what drives us what do we what do we long for where do we long to belong i think we long to belong and for some people that might mean making images or it might mean um being a homemaker so i want to make clear creativity is not only for artists i think it's something that's in all of us and if we pay attention we can kind of read the messages we give ourselves oh i need to be doing this or this job is killing me this is it's soul crushing what am i going to do but it's that give and take conversation that we have with ourselves Am I? Am I in? When I used to teach, the kids would go, uh oh, she's going in the ADD car." I, you know, I, can, go, I can go off track. I, I hope I didn't go off track with my answer to you.
0: No, not at all. I mean, there's always threads you can pull to um, weave the conversation. And I just love, you know, whatever comes up is is part of the moment, right? And there's yes. there's inspiration in what you're sharing that can lead us in a direction that there's something unknown wanting to be known. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that you can just kind of riff on whatever's coming up for you. Oh yes. (laughs) And in that, um, you know, other questions emerge. Yes. so, So yeah, in this, when you're talking about these kind of initiations in life, like, um, puberty, high school, that sort of thing. It's like an initiation. And I think they're happening throughout our lives all the time. Yes. We're dying to who we were to become what's emerging as another uh, expression. So I I agree. I feel like art is not, it doesn't have to be a tangible form of art, but it's the freedom to express who we are is to be an artist
1: Yes, yes,
0: yes. And to, to express ourselves freely, to speak freely, and to um, really find the uh, the way I do it with a relationship to something to the unknown is to follow the blocks and flows, like follow the synchronicities. If I'm moving in a direction that's creative and um, drawing something out of me that is a direction of growth and expansion there's going to be synchronicities there's going to be coincidences, yeah. and so that if i'm going in a direction where it's just forcing my will and i'm exhausted and it's not enjoyable then i know it's either not the right time or not the right direction so i i wonder if that's part of your creative process or if you've witnessed this in others or how does that idea play into you with uh synchronicity well, synchronicity is how the universe
1: is winking at you saying, good, good, keep going, keep going, don't give up now, it's okay. When we get these gifts of synchronicity, when we intersect with people, um, we intersect for a reason. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I also think that the underside of synchronicity, Is contradiction. May I explain? Mm -hmm. Contradiction allows you to hold opposing thoughts at the same time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And unfortunately, we live in a pencil and bubble world. By that I mean education and standardized testing for the last 30 years is a mill of putting kids through yes, no, black, white, uh, color in is it A, B, C, D. And that, is, and, and and teachers are sometimes forced to teach to the content of those tests, and what's happening with that? We're losing that magnificent gray area. We're losing uh, the ability to entertain contradiction. Because I don't know about you, Cindy, but I, things in my life are not black and white. They're not. I mean, there's so many nuances of gray, and gray is a gorgeous color. Oh my God grays that are warm cool i mean okay all right come back so (laughs) contradiction is is something that if we can hold those those uh disconnected thoughts that also means we can sit with discomfort of not knowing if we can sit with discomfort of not knowing i think that's when synchronicity is available Because in a sense, it's allowing us to entertain mystery. But when we're so busy uh, choosing mastery over mystery, I think sometimes we just pull down the blind, shut the door, lock it, and make sure that nothing that we can't measure or weigh gets in. So synchronicity, oh my gosh we all know when that's happened in our lives it's a breathtaking moment Mm -hmm. it is it's just i think it's a state of grace synchronicity is a state of grace and i don't mean that in a religious sense i mean that in a spiritual sense Mm -hmm. that's when all the planets align in the universe and it just is a magnificent moment to be Mm
0: -hmm. yeah one of my favorite topics is paradox Like you say, holding two opposing perspectives simultaneously is both true. Yeah. 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 And then I know this feeling in me when you're speaking about hitting those points of um, threshold where when you surrender to the unknown and realize you're kind of helpless with what you have available to what you know, that's like, something you've experienced before oh yeah that you know that there's something more wanting to be known that has is the unknown wanting to be known and you surrender to it like carl sagan said somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known
1: oh that's lovely
0: yes that, that letting go on that precipice and um leaning into the void and trusting i think that's the main thing as as you're speaking it makes me think of um trusting life yeah, yeah that's what being and that, relaxed and that's hard that is as an artist you kind
1: of juggle between outcome and process so as a younger artist i go oh i gotta make this gotta do this 12 hours in the studio and i'm hammering away on a painting and yeah i got you know as i've gotten older i realized no process let go of the outcome process and how that works for me is that uh again as a younger artist i do a lot of research when i do a painting i'm not i can't just walk up to a canvas i mean i could but i choose not to so my industrial paintings i spend hours looking at industrial sites how they're made i i just look at them uh, the scale of them all that i just can't get enough of it so if i were to do a painting I have this idea for a painting. So I go up to the painting. I start laying it out. And I go, yeah, I'm going to do this painting. And it's going to be X, Y, and Z. But what happens in the process, painting doesn't let me in. This always happens. I'll be a week, two weeks. It could be four weeks a month before the painting lets me in. And what that means is I'm busy trying to tell this painting what it's going to be. Yeah. And at some point, I say, okay, all right, you win. I yield. When you have that moment, you're working on it, and all of a sudden you think, oh my God, this is so much more interesting than anything I had in mind. All right, all right, I'll settle down. Okay, show me, show me what you want to be. Please take me with you. And so, um, I don't know, sometimes I get so willful, and then I get mad at myself saying, get the hell out of the way. Get out! Get out! Let let it be. Let it be. You know. So this dialogue is going in my head, and it's always magic when I step back and yield to it. Okay, painting. What what must I do? Podcasting. Where am I going to go with it? What am I going to do with that? All right. I'll trust. Mm -hmm. Because the bottom line for me as an artist, in all the years I've made out what forty some years, I've always followed the idea. And when the idea said put away the paints take out the glass i don't question it i'm there when the painting says forget the glass you're going to do sheet metal i'm there Um, so um, if i have to make a painting out of words and using microphones and and interfaces and what have you i'm there
0: Mm -hmm. i love that you use the word idea there when the idea says this You do it because a lot of people have a hard time defining what that is right like is it the muse, the idea, the dreamer, the soul, you know where does that idea come from right and you don't you don't get um, kind of bogged down with trying to figure that out you just follow it.
1: I'm not interested in, younger I would have been. I'd take out a measuring tape. I'd want to measure it. I want to document it. I want to take it into the laboratory and hold it up and say, ah, this is what's called a night. Forget it. No, I, I, that is a, that, how do I say this? Um, I think we carry this inner voice. And to me, that's the divine that is our connectivity to all that is and for me personally i run into problems when i don't listen to that voice oh my god have i gotten into problems you know when i think i know better than the voices you know maybe you don't want to no no i know better oh it's just oh one get help i'm telling you it's a disaster so if we listen to the voice that we've been given hell that's our true north. Mm -hmm. It's taken me a long time to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And so I really, you know, is it soul? Is it the divine? For me, is it my ancestors? I think they have a hand in it. I don't think I do anything by myself without them. So whatever an artist or anybody, if you're cooking with a new recipe and all of a sudden you're going, hey, I want to throw that in there. You don't stop everything. Now, where did that thought come from? Why would I be putting that? No, you kind of grab it, you throw it in, and you think, oh, that's the lit. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's this guidance that we're given. Every day of our lives, we got this multiple guidance
0: system within us. Mm-hmm. Like an intuition. Yeah. And I like, you know, you, um, self-proclaimed ADD, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have this ability to have a peripheral awareness. Right, taking yeah. information in from all directions, but obviously to get anything done, you also has to be able to focus. Yes. So it's like you can move between those two, which you know I would call yin and yang. Mm-hmm. And that um, then once you you move from this peripheral awareness with these ideas, and then you you come to the canvas or whatever it is your medium, your focus. But then at that point, you also have to release the focus to allow that unknown to come through. So there's this dance that's going on. And it seems like you've just, you've learned to dance with it, with the idea. Oh,
1: I can wax poetic right now, Cindy, but I guarantee, I'm gonna go in that studio, I'm gonna start a project, I'm gonna be willful, and the the project's gonna tell me, no, we're not doing it your, I mean, yes, I'm very wise, like right now in front of the microphone, but I gotta tell you, it's like, sometimes I forget that and I I go back to, no, I'm gonna do it this way. I have to relearn that over, it's just always a battle. you know. (laughs) It's a trial and
0: error, yeah.
1: It is. It is. But the idea, I am AD and I'm dyslexic, which made me a horrible student. I went to Catholic school and they put me in the dumb classes and they constantly told me, uh, don't go to college. You're not going to be able to do that. It's way out of your league. Uh, you're not going to amount anything. I was kind of a trouble. But anyways, so. Uh, Are
0: as you, you- left handed? What? Are you left handed?
1: No, I'm right-handed. I'm okay. well, Actually, I'm ambidextrous because with tools on the ladder, you got to do things ah. with your left hand and right. But um, so education from uh, grade one to graduate school was a nightmare for me. Mm-hmm. When people can wax poetic, like, oh, that teacher, I didn't have one teacher that believed in me. And education was a minefield and I never dreamed I'd be a teacher and the irony here is this it wasn't and I spent the first part of my life very angry about that I had a chip on my shoulder the size of Nebraska and it wasn't until uh oh god I got a divorce I had a daughter and I had to figure out how to earn a living with my art and people kept saying go be a teacher and then why the hell am I going to be I don't want to have anything to do with education and I ended up uh, the college Minneapolis college of art and design invited me to teach a class. I said, you made a mistake. This is not, you know, and I wasn't trying to be uh cloying or anything. I just thought, oh, oh, I don't want anything to do with teaching. And they talked me into it. I did it. And I fell in love. Cause I did. And I realized what a gift I had been given the first half of my life. All those horrible things in education were a gift. Mm-hmm. And I, lights went on and I, I told the universe, okay, you had a bigger picture in mind, huh? I guess I won't be so pissy about it. You gave me a gift. And so what that means is that if you come into my class, education is going to be passionate, enjoyable. Each student is going to be digging down to find out who they are and celebrate it and respect it and know that there's somebody special. And they've got work to do great work ahead of them. They're going to be touching lives. Mm-hmm. So all of this kind of plays into, um, sometimes we're given gifts like being ADD and dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you, I would tell kids all the time, Eight, they go, well, I'm ADD. I say, who cares? So am I, let's get back to work. You know, I don't care. That's a gift, use it. And they look at me like I'm crazy. I said that means you get attracted to all sorts of things as an artist. That's a gold mine. Are you kidding me? Oh, you could be a flatliner. Go ahead, be a flatliner if you want. It's your choice, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: but we're given strange gifts. Yeah. Yeah, it's so valuable the perspective we have in hindsight if we can look back at our life and recognize the pattern. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can see the thread that's been weaving through that pattern all our lives, guiding us to this moment and what's in front of us right now. Yeah. It's just a continuation of that. Yeah. Yeah, Because, but we do get conditioned in our oh. <laughs> belief system through the parents and educators that um, there's good and bad and to be judgmental and to avoid things and seek other things. And uh, life is really asking us to be open to what's here in the moment without judgment and and really be fully available. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just thinking about our daughter um, applied and was accepted to Perpich. Oh, okay. uh, Her writing, and she wasn't ready to leave home because she would have had to leave home and was like um, ninth grade. And um, because we lived, you know, she wouldn't have been in St. Cloud. Right. So I'm um, yeah, I just that was always sad for me. But, you know, of course, we gave her what she needed, which was to be able to stay at home. But um, yeah, I always wondered about that environment just seemed so perfect for her. And she's 33 now. So, yeah, that was a while ago. But I can imagine, you know, her having you as a teacher, I mean, how incredible that would have been. You know, life life plays out in funny ways,
1: doesn't it? And for folks who don't know, Perpich Arts High School is a state run school in Minnesota and it's for grades 11 and 12 and it's open to kids all over the state. So the kids coming in from out of state or upper state Around you know, um they can live in a dorm on campus, and for eleventh and twelfth graders, that is a huge commitment to their creative practice at a very young age, and there are a lot of kids that get accepted and they think, "Well, I can't do it, I can't leave home, I don't want to leave my friends but but life is like that, you know that wasn't the direction your daughter
0: was to go, yeah, it didn't work, it yeah, was, it wasn't. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm glad we still went through that process with her, and she got to see that she's she has that gift. Yeah, yeah, that never went away. And she, yeah. So that was my little ADD tangent. It's <laughs> just a memory coming up. <laughs> <a> good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I like. I want to go back to what you said about artists. Like you had this judgment about if you're not in the studio painting, you're not being oh. productive as an artist, but I see yes. um, in myself as an artist, I'm not a, a visual artist. Um, I used to do websites and things, so that, that wow. was a visual artist expression, but that if I go out and hike or um, walk on the beach, that's part of the creative process for me. Yes. It's not any less or more productive because the whole life, is a creative expression right whatever Oh, whatever absolutely gets, yeah whatever gets produced by that is it's not separate like my relationships are part of my creativity right or the creativity that's unfolding here um, yes as well as anything I'm producing so yeah I think we kind of um chop it up a little bit creativity and um A lot of people I know don't feel like they're creative because they don't fit into the mold of artist. You know,
1: that's an interesting way of putting it. Um, I came up uh, studying art in the 70s and 80s, and it was a regiment of everything was measured by productivity. You had to be in the studio if you weren't in a uh, in new york by the time you were 20 at a major gallery or museum you were a failure i mean the pressure was just ridiculous and i have to honestly say it was also a very male model at that time and so uh the expectation like you do it like the boys did it it was just expected and um it was it was just in the air. And so to, to prove that you were serious about your work, you had to spend more time in the studio, you had to do more things. And when you're trained like that and you go into the, as soon as I came out of graduate school and moved to Minneapolis, I got a studio immediately downtown Minneapolis, but I was ingrained with that, that, that notion, that myopic notion, your worth is what you produce. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until years, many years later, someone said to me, you know, what do you do? I said, I'm an artist, and my life is my canvas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I saw I heard myself say it. And you are so right, Cindy. Whether you walk on the beach, have a reflective moment, whatever we do, that is our creativity. It's a form of our expression. It's our our way of being in the world and it's magnificent so i had to let go of that uh that demanding myopic awful paradigm that you know it's only in the studio that things matter no everything matters everything
0: everything a lot of times artists will share that they were like writer's block or some kind of a block and then they went and did something stepped away went and had an experience of a different sort, came back and made it, you know, through that threshold, crossed over into the flow again. And it makes me realize there's a connection here to um, something I've been studying uh, through the flow research collective, the four stages of flow. Mm-hmm. And the first stage is struggle. Is what? Struggle. Okay. there's a struggle. And then the next stage is the transition. And then the third stage is flow. And the fourth stage is recovery. So I feel like that, that that process is part of creativity, that you you have a struggle, you're up against something a limitation of um, where there's a part of us that wants to be familiar and comfortable by staying with the known. There's another part of us pushing us into the unknown and there's that struggle. And then when we acquiesce or surrender to that, there's the transition. And then we get into this flow state where Mm. things are happening through us and we get to witness ourselves saying things we've never said before or creating in ways we've never created before, putting things together that never have been put together before in the same way. And then after the recovery is more of the reflective time
1: mm-hmm. of
0: um, integrating that new level of expansion. Yeah. And yeah. Then another struggle that comes every time the consciousness wants to expand through this form and the form and the familiar attenuate that expansion, there's going to be that process. Oh, that's a beautiful way of stating it. I wonder if you have if you can relate to that if you apply that to your experience and wow there, there's a couple
1: pieces I, I love the way you gave that roadmap map of this process you mapped it out just so beautifully this these four stages and i think that artists have a very intimate relationship with doubt mm-hmm. doubt is a homie that we hang with 24 7. And for every idea or dream or crazy, raw, new thing that we're about to do, doubt kicks up and just with a bandwidth that can almost drown out the idea, mm-hmm. it's right there. And so it's part of that struggle. Like, is this, is this crazy? What am I thinking? It's not been done before. You know, no one would do a three-dimensional skylight. It's supposed to be flat yeah it's supposed to be flat but why is it flat no don't ask why it's supposed to be you know and you go back and forth but can it suspend the steel what's what's the weight load can you float glass horizontally will it fall down you know you have all these questions coming at you so part of this process is living with doubt as sort of the soundboard to ricochet ideas from Mm-hmm. And I've learned, I kind of figured out, doubt for me is a reverse barometer. Mm-hmm. The more fierce the doubt, the more magnificent the idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even in its raw, clunky stage, I know it's special. Something is going on when the doubt comes at me like that. The second thing is about uh, blocks. Students would often say, Oh, I got a block. I, I have this block. I don't know what to do. And I see blocks a different way. As a younger artist, I would use a block as an opportunity to shame myself. Why can't I figure this out? What's wrong with me? I'm not much of an artist if I can't do blah blah. You know, oh my god, it was awful. And I see students doing that. They use it as a way to say, "Oh, I can't do it. It's too, you know." And my answer to that is when when this thing a block comes, I think it's that Inside of us, something so new is floating around that emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, we haven't caught up. That in the process of these things happening, we we stop working because you can't make art the old way that you did because something new is happening. It's just that you haven't caught up mm-hmm. with all these incredible new ideas. So maybe I would tell kids, go meet your friends at the coffee shop go do something nice, go walk with some friends, you know, go play air hockey, whatever you want to do, you but do something nice during this time. Mm -hmm. Treat yourself kindly, because something big is trying to come out. You just Mm -hmm. haven't caught up to it yet. And -hmm. that's okay. That's part of the creative process. And the way I, I frame it that way is to negate shame, Shame is not part of any tool that any artist or any human being should ever have. Shame is crushing. Shame serves no purpose. It's anti-soul, anti-spirit when it, when it goes into shame. So, you know, yeah, like as an artist, you have to really learn about taking, it's taking your ego out. This is not about shaming me. This is about an idea trying to give birth. This idea is trying to come out. Mm-hmm. So be kind, let it come out. Maybe I'll go research something, you know, so it's not about the block. It's about what's coming up. Mm -hmm. Oh my God.
0: You know? Yeah. That's beautiful. I think of that um, doubt and confusion are pressures. And and when Mm the pressure, it means there's something bigger, a perspective bigger than what I currently hold wanting to come in. And it's putting yeah. pressure on this this small bubble to penetrate that and um, allow new information in. So the pressure of doubt is uh, basically recognizing something is here that wants to be known, but I'm yes. not allowing it in. So how can I relax and open to receive? that that which is wanting to be known
1: yeah and
0: losing my body is the way i do it and other people do it different ways but yeah, yeah. I, I like yeah that thing about not not struggling with it fighting with it like seeing doubt as a bad thing but when it comes it's like yes it's like hmm it's like spring is trying to rise up from underground yeah. after winter you know and bring new life
1: oh my god yes yes and that's part of the the magic i think the alchemy of the unknown when we allow ourselves to not know when we can say i don't know that that's a mystery i mean we don't allow that in in western culture you're supposed to know everything be there have answers but there's something very very spacious about saying i don't know when I look at a painting, I don't know where you're going. Just say it, own it. And it's a beautiful, it's very freeing. I don't know. Because in that, I don't know, universes, multiverses begin to open in that moment.
0: Yeah, reminds me of, of another favorite quote I sh- I share often on this show is that, um, consciousness is seeking a form that allows its fullest expression oh yeah when we say we don't know we're giving consciousness more bandwidth to reveal itself through us
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah so what are you creating right now what's your current project something you would like to share with us about what's coming through you well
1: um I finished doing a genealogical research of my paternal grandparents and I was given a a book of burned poetry in Italian. And when I started finding out why my grandfather had a book of burned poetry, one thing led to another and out came two paintings of their lives with objects from their lives in the paintings. Hmm. And um, I had no idea I was gonna do that. But when you do a genealogical search and you're an artist, what's gonna happen? I mean, really, is it really that hard to figure out? But I didn't know, I was like researching and writing and putting all this together yeah. and, uh, and there it was. And so um, the story of the book was, that um, my grandfather lost his left arm. He worked on the Welland Canal. He um, the, the Italians, on my dad's side, came into this country through Canada. and there was a lot of immigrant labor. So he worked on the Welland Canal, and he lost his left arm. And um, living in Canada, uh, at that time, there was uh, how do I say this when on the eve of World War II when Mussolini declared uh, that they were joining Germany in June of 1940, not even an hour after that announcement, the Royal Canadian police went from door to door to Italian homes, uh, just breaking, you know, just coming in and searching the homes. My grandfather with his one arm took the book of poetry and he threw it in a wood burning stove Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because he was afraid that they would see this something from the homeland. And then when they left, He pulled the book out and that was the beginning of my researching his life and then my, my grandmother's life. So that's the thing about art. It can take you to places that you never dreamed of. Mm -hmm. It's a way of realizing the world or making sense of the world physically, dimensionally, uh, visually. And then fast forward right now, my creative practice is to do the podcast with poster designs of each guest. Um, As you know, there's a lot of work to doing these podcasts. Holy cow. So um, (laughs) as long as I'm creating art and and doing this kind of thing, I'm very, very happy.
0: Mm. You seem like a happy person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm chronically this way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a good way. Good way. And you're leading the way for others. Are you still teaching? I
1: stopped teaching two years ago, but I did go back to Purpich uh, last March and did a a quarter. They uh, called me and they said, come on back and teach. And they said, what do you want to teach? I said, how about mixed media for urgent times? Mm. They go, okay. <laughs> so it was really nice being back. I felt like I was coming back to the mothership. No, oh. uh, So, uh, in the meantime, uh, when I left Purpich, I designed two arts high school programs in the Twin Cities. Mm. And so, I like building things. I think I'm a sculptor at heart. So designing um, uh, the Performing Institute of Minnesota, PIM, Arts High School, and then uh, St. Paul, uh, the Conservatory in downtown St. Paul now has a visual arts program. So it was really fun you know, designing the space, designing the curriculum. Oh God, that's magic, man. That's just magic. So, um, but I do miss the classroom and podcasting is as close as I'm going to get to it. I think I do occasional lectures. I did a lecture at McAllister college a few months back. You
0: know, I do like, I like
1: doing that. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you're very inspiring. Um, I have a friend who's a docent at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, mm-hmm. um, but that wasn't what I was going to talk about. There's some, a thread here. It's like they come and go so fast with you, says, <laughs> don't they? Oh. I know what I was going to say. Like, okay, so just really stretching our perspective to see the bigger picture here that um, if consciousness is seeking a form that allows its fullest expression and the human being is that form, and that form is evolving, right? We're seeing that in yeah. the changes in the children. It's almost like they're a new species. They seem to be different. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I wonder that, you know, you being an educator and um, tracking these children and particularly those on the leading edge of creativity, um, mm-hmm. what are you seeing in the changes in uh, humanity through these children and oh. Young from their creativity, from
1: my little vantage point, <laughs> I would have to say uh, one of the the first things I noticed um, is that these kids um, speak fluent digital. They are born and raised on social media, and their whole life is about digital devices. Okay, and they think differently like my teaching i started teaching in 92 i came late to it uh and i saw changes every two or three years i start seeing changes and more changes and more changes and if i could encapsulate what i've noticed i saw more and more kids on medications for adhd when i first started teaching out of a class of 20 maybe had three kids you know uh a medication for something and i left teaching what two years ago i think what 2018 19 okay by that time if i had a class of 20 i probably had 16 kids on some form of medication Ugh. okay that's one thing i noticed um i noticed things like panic attacks that that children were having panic attacks and that there were things that we called triggers And that became the lexicon for educators, you know, that when you talk about something, you say, wait a minute, I want to talk about this, but for those of you that this is a trigger, um, you know, it it changed, it changed. The other thing I noticed is that when art classes, you do a still life, I would spend like uh, the morning putting together this really elaborate still life, and when kids would come in to do drawing, this generation would take their phones and start taking pictures and draw from the picture on the phone. Now, the first time that happened, I almost had cardiac arrest. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm gasping mentally, but one of the things I, I've I really learned is not to be reactive. So I, I asked, What is it about taking the picture? Why would you not want to draw straight on? Tell me, what, what do you see? Well, to them, everything is on that their life is on that screen. Mm-hmm. Why would they not take a picture of it? And so their neurons are firing based on all this social media and and computer time development mm-hmm. and i'm not saying a lamentation like, "Oh no, what have we got no they're they're firing differently, mm-hmm. and it's our job as educators to meet those kids where they are. Mm-hmm i've got to find way. so what i did i started changing the way i talked and lectured if it took me five minutes to get to the point now it's meal in a minute man i start it i get to the point i show the examples bang 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 you i think they did studies where people have like two to three seconds on a website before they click off yeah adults too you know you've gone to a website before you even cognizantly read you're off yeah it's okay. uh, less than the attention span of a goldfish exactly exactly so these kids have that kind of thing so we we have to meet them where they are so there has to be different kind of uh modalities of education like we're using a hundred year paradigm when you think about it all the chairs lined up teacher talking pointing to the board who the hell does that you know, in my classroom, we put the chairs in the circle or the easels, you know, we were, I was constantly changing and teenagers hate change. They come in. Oh, you change the room again. Yeah. Get used to it. Go over there. You know, let's get working. They you change things up. You got to keep it fresh. You got to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And so and they're also in some ways more savvy because they're exposed to all this information. But developmentally, they're still kids. Mm-hmm. I don't give a rip how savvy they are. And they're still age appropriate. Mm-hmm. So you can't be bamboozled by that. Emotionally. Emotionally, they're still kids. Mm-hmm. I've had kids so enormously, ta- had more talent in their little finger than I ever would. I mean, it's just mind boggling. But developmentally, they're still kids. And they need structure. And they need guidance. And they need, you know, this, this positive uh, challenging rigorous uh, kind of uh, environment Mm -hmm. so that's the picture i see and also these kids what i love about them this generation they're on the gender frontier these kids are questioning stuff Mm -hmm. oh i love them for that the kids i like the best were the biggest pains in the ass i'm just going to tell you i love those kids i I just loved them you would have loved my daughter was she one of those kids Yeah. oh i love those kids they're brilliant they're questioning and that fire hasn't been taken out of them and so this generation they're questioning clothing like the genderizing of clothing you know binary uh, all that all these little things that we these little rules you were saying earlier about how the world sets up these rules for us well these kids are coming along say wait a minute why If a guy wants to wear a dress, who cares? What's your problem? Yeah. They're on the gender frontier. They're, they're, they're open about, um, fairness. I'm generalizing. Okay. I'm in arts high schools. So no, that's not across the board. I'm just saying the students that I've come in contact with, um, they, they have a sense of, um, they want to do something with their lives Mm -hmm. and they don't like the way things are. You know, the way they talk about climate uh, change and stuff. These kids are active. And I I look at them and I just think, okay, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. It's okay. But they're going to do it their way, which is not our way. Right. They're going to find different ways of doing things that, you know, we'll just scratch our heads saying, huh? <laughs>
0: what? Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for you and people like you who are in that um space of um, nurturing these children, because I see it from a perspective of genetics where Hmm. um, anthropologically we're being replaced, right? We're we're always being replaced. Every generation replaces the other, but this is different in that these kids are not like us, right? Like they, they think differently, they see the world differently. And like you say, they're very advanced, but very vulnerable. Yes. Emotionally, they're very sensitive. Extremely. And they're coming into a world that's harsh. And yep. if they don't have someone like you who can recognize their talent and their vulnerability and create a right environment for them, um, there's a high rate of suicide among these children. Oh. Yes, yes. So we, how do we come to a place in our humanity where we may, for the very first time in history, be in a position where we know we're being replaced by another species and actually um, see that as an opportunity rather than like the Neanderthals and the Cro-Magnum and banging heads. How do we really open ourselves compassionately to being replaced? And to that species that's in the same form we are replacing us. How do we how do we navigate that? And, and it's yeah. unknown. So we don't, we don't have a roadmap for it. But like people like yourself, you came into the world different. And yeah. you had your trial and error and experiences, and then you fortunately found who you are and are expressing yourself and being rewarded for it. And now you're able to, because you've embodied that, you're able to hold space for others to go through that process. And I just really want to acknowledge you for that and hope that there's more people like you in the school systems. Oh, they are. There's
1: wonderful teachers out there. I'm in awe of those teachers and the job that they do.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great. It's good to hear. Oh, yeah. They're there. So I want to talk um, about sensitivity since that got brought up. And I feel like um, maybe people that are attracted to art schools and art in general are more sensitive, meaning not weak, obviously that's not what I'm talking about, but um, open, porous, receptive, taking in more information than most because of our porousness. And that can be overwhelming on the nervous system. And we can, um, develop health challenges and just be, um, feel shamed about that. Mm-hmm. So how do we navigate that sensitivity? Because it is a gift. And and when we're in right relationship with our sensitivity, we can, um, share our gift with yeah. others, but when we feel victimized by it, then we don't, we don't see the value in being sensitive and we create a hard kind of armor around us. Boy. You, had that experience so i'd love to wow
1: yikes you have about five hours
0: uh, (laughs) um we can we can carry this on into other conversations but whatever's right in the moment okay
1: i always joke with students that artists are the most sensitive people we take it on the chin we feel everything and we're terrified of of uh rejection Mm -hmm. so what field do we choose a field that is predicated on rejection (laughs) and I, i i this is the god's truth i could paper all the walls in my house and studio with the rejections i've gotten i i can and i i would say that to students that rejection is part of who we are so let's let's build a different frame of reference around it Mm. number one you and you alone are the guardian and caretaker of your magnificent talents and gifts nobody cares about it like you and you are the voice for that tender, beautiful world vision that you have deep inside of you. So take good care of it. Number two, rejections come not because you're a bad artist. It might mean that the curator was looking for a certain type of art and your art didn't fit the bill. What if we flip the narrative? A rejection, I'm going to say it, don't personalize it. Because once you do, because I did, when I would get rejection, I would sit in my hour, like hours, in my studio, saying, "My work's not good enough. My work's not good enough. What am I gonna do?" Now I know if I get a rejection, no, oh, that's you know, I'll, I curse a lot. I, okay, but once I get that off my off my chest, then I say, "Okay, I let it go." Because I know, I am an artist. I know. That i'm called to make things do things and be very much a part of this world mm-hmm. and so uh being sensitive i'm not going to give my sensitivity to anyone i'm not going to anybody victimize it are you kidding me my sensitivity is what drives me right that's a that's like a, a force field you think i want to give that way because someone you know comes up and says something or does something um uh, but I'm older, and I've gone through a lot of battles, and with these young people coming up, um, they've got to find ways to fortify their spirit you know when i um I went and got two graduate degrees because I was told all through my education you're not going to mount to anything, don't go to college you're too, too stupid so of course, I went and got because that was my way of you know and so the day I got my uh, my mfa I, I I went back to my studio, I took out a match, and I burned it. And as I watched it burn, I told myself a piece of paper is not going to make me an artist. Only a lifetime of making art Mm. determine whether or not I'm an artist. And now I'm at this point, I'm in my seventh decade. Now I can say, huh, Pat, yeah, yeah, you're an artist. You're an artist. But to say I am an artist means I have to embrace the fullness of life, the heartache, the rejection, um the dismissive remarks about my I have to take all of it and the magnificent joy of watching something come to life and know that I make a difference I tell students all the time the most powerful thing you can be a writer an artist a musician do you realize the force in your being to do that so yeah we're sensitive and it's up to teachers and artists and mentors to really celebrate that sensitivity with kids and tell them, "Don't give your power away," because someone says something. Hell no! Don't t- don't give it away. It's it's too precious a gift. You now you gotta you gotta fight for it. It's always a fight, but you know that that's that's what it is you know alice walker uh, above my door in the studio above okay i have um a wooden sign that i have painted and i brought i made another one in my office at school and it says be but be nobody's darling mm-hmm. be an outcast qualified to live among your dead that's my attitude I wanna be worthy to walk with my ancestors. So when I cross over, they can say, hey, okay,
0: come on with us. We're proud of you. Yes. Well said, Pat. Thank you for sharing that so passionately. Yeah. I feel it. I feel it passionately for
1: these kids. I, I told you I I admire anybody who wants to make art or write or sing or perform or do any task that they put their heart in. Not mm-hmm. necessarily an art. It's the holiness of everyday life right. when we put ourselves into what we do and who we love.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to park
1: the car now. I got to park the ADD car for God's sake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we got to come up with a different acronym for ADD. <laughs> I I know there's one. I can't remember it, but um, turn it into a positive instead of a disorder. I mean it it as a positive. It is a positive, but it has the word disorder in it. So let's, like, change that Uh, word to something else.
1: You know, who the hell, what do they know about order in the first place? What form does order take? All right. Anyway, who's they? Why do we always say they? Like, who cares what, you know. 800. 800. 800. Who cares what you think? You know, it's, not, it's not a disorder. It's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift. It's a powerful gift.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it really ties into what you were sharing about the kids with their devices and the one to two second attention span, right? Is the constant, what the attention span being oh, so yes, short, yes. That Yep. that constant stimulation, right? Yeah. And that's really what consciousness is always doing is collecting data on itself through all these different forms. It's having all these experiences. It creates different forms to experience itself in unique ways. And it's collecting data on every experience it has, just like the search engines are. It's kind of a a manifestation of the one consciousness uh, learning about itself. Whoa, that's beautiful
1: data yeah. collect, collecting data on whoa reflection consciousness god that's lovely
0: yeah that's how i experience it and so it's it's um it's creating forms that will allow more and more and more information in faster that's the yeah and things yeah. are going yeah and um it is overwhelming to those of us who are in bodies that weren't designed for that
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. No kidding. (laughs) So that, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's fun to talk with you. Thank you so much for sharing yourself so openly and, um, you know, keep, you just have kept, kept on, you know, regardless of the challenges and setbacks, you just, you had this, um, I don't know if it's a formidable energy or just this persistence, (laughs) all of it. Whatever's kept you going, I really wanna acknowledge and uh, thank for sharing your time and uh, wisdom with us today. Is there any last comments you'd like to share or ideas for people who may have come to this portion of our conversation and um, still don't see themselves as an artist? Well, first
1: of all i want to thank you for being so wonderful to talk to i mean you just make it so easy so thank you and your questions and uh it was delightful yeah. and as for those people you know that that battle am i an artist i don't know there was a game growing up and it was called mother may i yes you may and then the kid would take two steps and then you say mother may i yes you may now You can either live a mother, may I kind of life, or you can listen to that little voice inside of you and say, you know what? We're in this together. Guide me. I'll go there.
0: Beautiful. Love that advice. Yes. You're turning towards the guidance. Yeah. Um, opening to it is forming a relationship yeah and a um a dialogue and a bond yes and eventually you can lean into that relationship and and trust it because you can see through the patterns that it's always been there for you your whole life Yes, we haven't always had the guidance to listen to that we've been um, conditioned to look outside of ourselves for approval yeah. and guidance and um, you're just taking us back home to ourselves with that invitation so you know
1: if I could just say um, I, I was thinking about that and I wrote something one time that my vision has edges to it wanting other people's approval constricts what I see and obscures what's really there mm-hmm. when I seek people's approval my vision gets very small it has edges so to those people out there you don't need that kind of approval you just need to hang on to yourself that magnificent self and cherish it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah you just put a really beautiful exclamation mark on the conversation about uh, shifting from being externally referenced to internally referenced. Yeah. And when we're internally referenced that which is in us that wants to be expressed has our attention and mm-hmm. our uh, a willingness. Yeah, so it's about being willing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Not forcing our will, but a willingness yeah. to be done, be d- done through. Have something, the unknown, really expressing through us and and becoming more known through our relationship to it,
1: and it comes back to uh, that intersection between art making and the unknown, mm-hmm. and how it. willing are we to live with the mystery of not knowing, but knowing that we're on the right track. Yeah,
0: knowing that we don't know at the same time, not knowing that we do know on another level. Yeah. That's you E.E. E. 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 Cummings,
1: right. e. e. Cummings has a nice way of putting it. When I think, know, and believe, I'm a lot of other people, but the moment I feel, I am nobody but myself.
0: Mm. Yeah, I go by feel.
1: Oh, I do too. I do yeah. too. I think that's part of that intuitive, um, does it feel right? Does you know when you get that hit like this? Doesn't feel right. You're, you're telling yourself something very precious, mm. and it's authentic. It's coming from our authentic self
0: and our sensitivity. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yay! Well, let's uh, have you share your website and your podcast and anything else because okay, I think we're gonna want to hear more from you.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, my website is www.patbenincasa-art.com or you can just put my name in google you'll find my website my last name is b as book e n i n c a s a pat benincasa you'll find me and then my uh, podcast is called fill to capacity and it's a podcast for people too stubborn to quit and too creative not to make a difference and that's on my website too so yeah thank you for letting me plug
0: that <laughs> no it's part of the purpose that you're here and uh, tell us again what benin casa means benin casa is italian for good house mm-hmm.
1: bene good casa house so yeah good house
0: Wonderful. Well, we'll check out the good house of your website and your podcast for those interested. And again, I thank you for your time, uh, your creativity, and just uh, your love for life. I I really sense you're a lover of life and uh, passionate about every moment. So thank you, Cindy. And thank you for allowing me on your show. This was wonderful. Thanks. (laughs) It was fun. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. And until next time, bye for now.